It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. A little holiday break for the last few weeks since the end of the Missouri football season. And uh, probably another holiday break coming up soon. But, hey, we we work when we feel like it in between not working. So uh, we are back at least for the next little bit. And today we're going to talk a little NFL draft, even though it's a few months away. The NFL is, you know, a year-round sport. So we're going to welcome in Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports, covers the NFL, the NFL draft, and pretty much anything we want and is also a Mizzou guy. So uh, talk a little bit about everything. (laughs) Eric, what's going on, man? Everything's good, man. I'm just braving the cold up here in Chicago. It's absolutely brutal. I'm sure it's not too much better down down in uh, Como, so uh, I won't complain too much. It could be a little worse. My son goes to uh, college in South Dakota, and their wind chill on four, on Sunday is going to be negative 40. So, you know. Oh, gosh. Somebody, All right. I've got nothing to complain about, though. Yeah, somebody always has it worse. But uh, it, let's get to it and get you out of here. Uh, the first thing, obviously – Surprised to no one a couple weeks ago, Charles Harris goes pro. So I know some mock drafts have him as a first-round guy. What do you think about Charles in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think there was a, there were such high expectations. I mean, everything you know, the, you guys know about you know the program developing defensive linemen to the you know the ability he flashed last season. And then, you know, early on, other than that Georgia game, I think the, the results were a little bit incomplete. And there were some moments of frustration for him, maybe calling out the scheme a little and, you know, the end of the LSU game not uh, being an ideal representation for him as a prospect. But, you know, I think as the season went on and, you know, we, we probably saw the guy that we more expected this season. Um, and I haven't watched every one of his snaps. You can, you can fill in the gaps on that. But I, I think – people will start looking at him more as that first round prospect. Again, the one thing I'll say is it seems like a really good year for pass rushers and a really good year for that kind of same build that Harris has. So, you know, could he get lost in the shuffle a little bit, perhaps, you know, mid to late first round seems right, but I could see him sliding to the second round and, you know, and we have a long way to go, but yeah, I think he's in that kind of top 40 mix right now. The pass rush is kind of his known commodity. I actually thought and and heard from some people that maybe he showed a little bit more all around ability this year. Played you know played the run better. He I think he was second or third on the team in tackles. Uh, so is that something that that I guess does him well come draft time, or is he a guy that that most people are looking at like, kind of like they did Shane Ray? Hey, he's going to come in and be a pass rusher, and we'll worry about the rest of it in a couple of years. Yeah, and you know, and sometimes teams will, will look at certain things and say, "All right, you know, we we can we can live with you know this part of his game for now." And I think the smart teams scout and they say, "What can a guy do?" And we'll worry about what he can't do later. So even if there are teams that are like you said, I think it looked pretty good at times, and it wasn't like he was a. Uh, you know, I mean, an absolute eyesore against the run. There were times when I think he, he stood up pretty well. So, you know, losing two key members of that D-line probably hurt him a little bit too. And and I think as the season went on, he got grew comfortable in the role that they were asking him to play. You know, he, he probably played a little bit smarter and better. You know, he might – maybe he's a better run de- uh, defender than, than Derek Barnett. Uh, so, you know, if you look at it in those terms, that's pretty good comparison right there, even if – 
you know, we're talking about a, an elite pass rush talent. So it, it's all relative, and I'm kind of curious to see how it shakes out. But you're right. I think there, there's he's not just a, a, as much of a one-trick pony as maybe everybody thinks. Well, and in the SEC, you mentioned Barnett, who everybody expects to go pro. There's there's uh, Miles Garrett at A&M, who might yeah. be the number one overall pick. Arden Key from LSU, I haven't seen yet, but but I think he'll probably go. I mean, uh, that's a lot of talent just in this league before we even look around the country in his at his position. Yeah, Key is an unknown at this point. I, I, I'm not sure if he will or not, but but I mean, you know, Miles Garrett. I I had so much fun watching a couple of games of his early in the season, especially against UCLA. Barnett, I think, has proven some people wrong who felt like, okay, we're talking about a too small guy who is that one-trick pony, but he's he's played, he's shown some force against the run, and he stood up to some double teams and, and fought off some uh, some double team blocks and things like that. So, you're right. I, I think all those guys you mentioned, there's a handful more. You know, the the edge position as they call it in the NFL. You know, that D end or that stand up linebacker like Shane Ray's playing with the Broncos. It, it's pretty loaded, but I think Harris still has the opportunity with that that kind of basketball frame to kind of stand out and, and still be one of the top guys. I have heard on a TV broadcast somewhere along the way that he used to play basketball. So uh, Yeah, I heard that. I know. I don't know if it was you or somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, look, I know you know the history of all these Mizzou guys. I mean, when I look at Harris, I, I look at him and, look, he's not Sheldon Richardson as a prospect, but it, right. he's, he's certainly, you know, a, a better prospect than – than Michael Sam was. I think he's probably somewhere in that Shane Ray, Marcus Golden, who, by the way, Marcus Golden, hugely undervalued uh, at draft yes. time. But is that a fair kind of range, you think, about about in the same neighborhood as those guys? Yeah, I think so, too. And and uh, where did Golden go? Like late second round, right? He yeah, late second. Yeah, Shane was, I think, mid-first. Yeah, he was 22nd or 3rd overall or something. So if you want to pick a range that, that, that feels pretty safe, start from about where Shane was drafted uh, and work down from there. And I don't think he'll fall as far as, as Marcus did, because as you know, there were some teams that really, really liked him and there were others that, that had some reservations. I, I don't know. I thought he was such a good college player. I, I love Marcus golden in college. I thought, you know, and Shay Ray had popped off the screen obviously, but you know, Marcus had some, some really intriguing traits. You know, he was a disciplined rusher. He was smart and savvy and all these different things. So um, yeah, I think somewhere in that range where, where Shane went off and I don't think he'll fall as far as the late second round, unless, you know, he just has disastrous interviews or workouts or some other, you know, medical issue that we're not aware of. But yeah, right now I, I would, my guess would be late first round, possibly early second, but late first round feels, uh, feels okay right now. As long as he doesn't go to Cleveland, everything is good, uh, you know. So, and that goes for anybody entering the draft. There are a few. That's the no-brainer. Charles Harris is going to get picked. There are three other guys on Missouri's roster that I could see him getting drafted, but I won't be surprised if they don't. So let's start. Arion Penton at cornerback is. He, I know he's playing in the Shrine Bowl. I think is his All-Star game, and yep. he he led the SEC in interceptions. He made a lot of big plays. He also had some some really down moments this year, and frankly, he's just not that big. I think he's five ten or five eleven. I mean, is he a guy that? Look, I can see him going like in the fifth round, and I can see him not going anywhere. Well, I'm curious to hear your take on this. I remember when EJ Gaines came out; I, I was yeah. such a big fan of his, and I just thought, what a nice little player he is. Is he ever going to be, 
you know, a second round pick, no. But I kind of was thinking third, fourth, maybe fifth round, and I believe he slipped to like the mid or late uh, sixth. sixth. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying they're exact clones of each other, but same idea of he can play some zone. Yes, there were some 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 coverage hiccups this season. The size is not ideal, but you know, there's something to work with there, and especially with teams playing, you know, five defensive backs as kind of there's always going to be about 35 to 40 of them who are drafted uh, or guys who could play corner or safety or whatever. But yeah, I, I, I suspect he's, he's going to get a draftable grade, but yeah, I mean, do you, do you feel like he's sort of in that same, you know, not mold, but the same kind of frame as what we're talking about with it, with EJ Gaines? Yeah. I, I thought EJ was a better college player. Um, you know, okay. I, I was really impressed with him in college, and I was a little surprised, but I think the injuries had a little something to do with, with where yeah. he went. What I'm interested in with Penton, and, and please, I don't want anybody to say I'm comparing him to this guy because Marcus Peters was a, a first-round pick, but he has some of that in that he will make a huge play and then yeah. he'll just get torched. You know, and, and it's like, I, I wonder if NFL teams are willing to live with the downside if you get the upside or if they want a guy who, look, he may not have nine interceptions, but he's also not going to give up eight touchdowns. Yeah, you know, a, a name that comes to mind right away uh, is Asante Samuel. Out of, I think he played at Central Florida, if memory serves, and mm-hmm. he was a fourth-round pick of the New England Patriots, had high interception totals in college, but came into the league – People thought, well, he doesn't like to tackle. He's kind of a finesse guy, but he's he's got that rare ability to bait people into throwing interception, throwing the ball his way. And so I don't know that we're talking about a guy, I think, who has 40-something interceptions in his right. career in the NFL. He's not there anymore. But, you know, that's a good example of a player. And this is a generation ago, but still a player who fell in the draft because there were some, some questions about his all-around game like that. And the size was an issue. And, you know... Uh, some teams will love that gambling style and it fits their scheme and the kind of, uh, you know, system they play a little more aggressive, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Then that, then that's the kind of player I think he would fit with. Otherwise, you know, other teams may look at him and put a, a lower round grade on him. Yeah. All right. We got about five minutes left. I want to talk about two other guys and, and they're kind of diametric opposites. I'm not sure anybody talks about Sean Culkin as an NFL player. I look at him, especially the way he was used in Josh Heupel's offense. And I think, that's a guy who can play tight end on Sundays. Uh, is, is that a name that's really on the radar that you hear much? Yeah, you know, he, he is. But uh, it, the problem is here, like you said, the production, the injuries are a concern. Probably looking at an undrafted free agent grade on him. And I guess, you know, unless he, you know, same kind of thing. I know some, some Mizzou guys have, have had good pro days and good combines and been able to put, put up. Uh, you know, some eye-popping numbers at times. So that's that's probably going to go in his favor if he does do that. But, yeah, the lack of production is a little bit concerning. The opportunities seem to be there, and you're right. I mean, there were times when he looked really, really good, um, but they were always these little brief flashes here, and he never quite put it all together. But you're right. I mean, the frame is impressive. He's got the long wingspan. He looks athletic. Yeah, there might be a, a good number three tight end spot for him just waiting for him if he can contribute on special teams. But, yeah, I would guess – undrafted but I do know that there are agents who are looking to to represent him I know there's been some attention from him I'll be curious to see what his path is from here till April but my my guess right now would be undrafted and a and a good uh you know 90 man roster spot with a chance to make a team all right now the flip side is 
I've been told for like four years now that Josh Augusta is an NFL player, and I know people <laughs> see 350, 360, three, who knows? Nobody knows exactly what he weighs. Yeah. He's huge. Um, he could play maybe in the middle of the 3-4, but he never started here. He he had trouble staying on the field due to conditioning at times, but he did make some big plays. I mean, is that a guy NFL teams go, look, I think we can make something out of him, or is he probably another undrafted guy? Yeah, I mean, size always catches eyes, right? And if you can show off a little bit of, you know, nimble footwork and if you can show a little bit of handwork and some strength there to go with it, then you have teams interested a little bit. Draftable grade right now, like you said, probably not. There's no way, you know. Um, yeah, the you know, the, 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 the usage of him was interesting. Obviously, it, it shows that he has some kind of in, intriguing athletic ability. But, yeah, I guess at this point, you know, I think about there are so many players who bloom late in the NFL and if maybe don't know how to use that size or haven't had the right motivation or been as fired up and, and gotten the right coach to kind of get under their skin. So possibly that's there's something there. But I don't know. I can't say for certain. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't heard much buzz in NFL circles about him. But then again, I haven't asked specifically about Josh Augusta. So it, it's hard for me to say. But, yeah, I mean – what was the kid, uh, the, the the Baylor kid, who was like 4'10"? Yeah, size is good. He's not <laughs> that big, but there's a limiting factor there as well. Yeah, yeah. All right, did two quick ones to get you out the door, and I didn't prep you for either of these, so I might catch you off guard. I, I know sure. in the NFL people are always looking a year or two down the road, especially at the quarterback position. Is Drew Locke an NFL quarterback at some point? Oh, that's a good question. Um yeah, I think, you know, we probably saw enough progress there at the end. And I think, you know, smart scouts will note the number of drop passes and things like that. And, you know, and realize that he, you know, switched systems and, and had a lot to deal with in his first uh, year, year and a half, two years in the system. So, yeah, I mean, I think right now, and boy, it's hard to say, but, you know, you watched him and Easton kind of go at it in that Georgia game. And you saw some, you know, the Arkansas comeback and things like that. And you think, you know, some, some really intriguing physical skills. He's young. You know, the, the, the future classes at quarterback have some interesting names, too, so it's really hard for me to say. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I think you at least say to yourself, you can't rule him out as a prospect. And, and if he keeps making strides, why not? So, yeah, I, I'm fascinated to see what he becomes over the next year, you know, what this next year brings, and then I'll have a better idea about it. Yeah. All right, last one. Nothing to do with Mizzou. Purely personal. You follow the NFL every week. Please tell me that the Chiefs have enough offense to get to a Super Bowl. You know what? I'm telling you, if the Denver Broncos have enough offense to win it last year, I think they do. And I've been sort of touting, touting them for a month or more now. And, you know, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl last year. I felt pretty bad when they were getting a one and five. I wasn't yeah. uh, feeling too good about myself. But, but yeah, I mean, there's just something about this team and, and the way they – make plays in all three units. And, and they have, I think, matchup problems for defenses with, with Hill, with Kelsey, with Spencer Ware, with Macklin now getting back healthy a little bit. They have a trick player two in them. You know, Alex Smith doesn't need to sling the ball over the yard. I mean, they, there could be a smart game plan where he can lead a 24-point, a 27-point game. So as long as they don't have those coverage hiccups you mentioned with Peters and other guys uh, – you know, giving up the occasional big play there, 
to me, they're dangerous. And this field is wide open. I really don't have a Super Bowl favorite at this point. I, I, I feel like it's not going to be the Patriots or the Cowboys this year. Really, see, because you know that old Mike Tyson quote, uh, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. I think everybody in the <laughs> AFC thinks they can make the Super Bowl till they have to go to Foxborough. So. Uh, well, that's true. You know what? But I, I'll say they played tough last year, and a couple more plays go their way in that game. You know, they may have learned a lot from that experience. And the, and the Patriots almost coughed that one up on Monday night. So I agree with you, but I do feel like this Patriots team is not quite the uh, the killer unit that we've seen in the past. All right, well, Eric, all the Mizzou fans that are listening to this are now sick of me asking about the Chiefs for purely selfish reasons. <laughs> so I'm going to let you run, but have a good Christmas and, and stay warm up there, man. Better than asking about the Rams. You know that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Eric. We are going to switch gears now, and we're going to talk basketball, and we're going to talk about what I honestly used to be my favorite sporting event of the year, and probably this year is not. We're going to talk to Brad Sturdy, who covers Illinois basketball for the Rivals Network, about the bragging rights game next Wednesday. Brad, how you doing, man? Good. How's it going? Not too bad. Um, okay, first, first question, and this is as blunt as it can be. Least anticipated bragging rights game you've probably covered? Yeah, it probably is. I mean, usually that's all you can talk about this time of year. You've got, you know, and we've seen it in the past. We've got two, you know, highly ranked teams, and now you just, I think that both fan bases have kind of uh, maybe lost some excitement and teams aren't as good. Um, You know, Illinois won four in a row, and still you don't see a lot of excitement about this just because of the way things have been over the past few years. So, yeah, there's just not much excitement uh, yeah. around the bragging rights. I mean, there is. Uh, Illinois, to me, has shown some signs, though. I mean, they beat NC State. They've got a couple of decent wins, but it's still just not a very positive feeling as far as the fan base goes? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that they just, you know, I think the fans just want to see, uh, you know, they got they were spoiled there for, you know, that you know 10-year period, and I think they just want to get back to that level, and so they've kind of, it's lost a little bit of its luster, you know, and I think it was, you know, when both teams were good, it was such a fun rivalry. And then even if a team had a down year, but now you've got both teams that have kind of struggled. You know, LA hasn't been in the NCAA tournament um, for the past three seasons. And so I think that it's just lost a little bit of luster. And although LA's won four in a row, I think the fans are in like that you got to prove it to me mode. You know, they want to see it done in the Big Ten. Well, let's highlight one of the good things. And, uh, you know, Missouri fans should be plenty familiar with Malcolm Hill. I know he put up 43 in a game earlier this year. How good has he been this season? Malcolm's having a great season. I mean, he's done a little bit of everything. I mean, he's had some big games when they've needed it. You know, he's had to score. Um, You know, he handles the ball. He rebounds. Um, He has the most rebounds on the team. Um, He, you know, he leads in the scoring, obviously. You know, he just does a little bit of everything. Sometimes he runs the point. Sometimes he, you know, plays the power forward. So he runs any of those four positions. He, his defense, I think, has been a, a really nice improvement. He's shooting the ball better from three, which makes his offense look even better. But defensively, he's really uh, improved himself. Um, he's become a better defender. He's one of those guys. He's not, not a great athlete, um, you know, not a great run-jump athlete, but he's really skilled and a really smart player, and he's figured that out on the defensive end as well. Okay. This game specifically, and I, I don't imagine you've spent a lot of time breaking Missouri down because I don't imagine many people that don't get paid to do that <laughs> would do that. But if there's an area that, that you think Missouri might have a shot to exploit, I mean, what's Illinois' weakness going into this game if Missouri is going to do what it has so rarely done in the last three years and beat a team people have heard of? 
<laughs> I think uh, with, with Illinois, they struggle a little bit on the defensive end. Guards that ha- they've had some guards just really go off on them. Um, you know, the kid from Winthrop that beat them, he put up 38. Um, they've had, you know, the little kids, uh, you know, even last week. I mean, they did a pretty good job on the kids from Central Michigan, but they still, you know, put up 25 points. So the, the small guards have really given them trouble. And, and one area where they, they've had trouble defending them, and then Illinois has been really turnover prone. Over the first, uh, you know, part of John Gross's career, his team's never turned the ball over. And this year, they've, you know, had multiple games with more than 20 turnovers, which, um, you know, obviously is a concern. The West Virginia game being the one that, you know, really stands out for people where they just it looked like they were colorblind, didn't know what jersey they were wearing. So um, that's uh, – but but overall, that's been, the, that's been the biggest issue. They turn the ball over too much. And even though they shoot the ball well, if you don't get shots, um, it really makes it hard to win. I'm going to get you out the door on this one. And, look, I, I've answered this question for like two years, so I want to phrase it differently because it drives me nuts when I go on the radio and somebody asks me if Kim Anderson's going to get fired because I don't feel like that's my place to fire a guy. But is that, uh, depending on how this year goes, I mean, is there going to be a discussion about John Gross's future? Or or are you pretty confident, hey, he's got another year to, to kind of get these this thing figured out? I think this is a year he has to win, um, I, and there will be a discussion at the end if he doesn't. Um, they've got a really nice class coming in in 2017, but right now Illinois plays a ton of seniors. I mean, from Abrams and Thorne and Hill to Morgan and Tate, they've got you know five, six guys that are playing a lot of minutes who uh, are seniors, and so they've got a veteran-laden team, and the next year they're going to be a lot younger. So I think at the end of the year there's going to be some discussion if they don't you know make the NCAA tournament. I think – you know, if John Gross wins this year and has the recruiting class coming in, you know, he could really turn the corner. But at the same time, I think if you don't win, then, um, you know, there will definitely be some discussions in March. All right. Well, Brad, I appreciate it, man. We'll uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. And who knows? Maybe we'll get a surprise and, and we'll see something fun. Hey, at least maybe it'll be a competitive game. Exactly. All right, man. Have a good one. Thanks. Hey, thanks. Brad Sturdy, orangeandbluenews.com, covers Illinois basketball. Wanted to get that in. Also wanted to thank Eric Edholm uh, from um, Shutdown Corner, Yahoo Sports, covers the NFL, the NFL draft. He is a Mizzou guy, so always like getting his take on Missouri's potential draft class. So uh, there you go, folks, and hopefully we'll be back next week, maybe day after bragging rights to kind of wrap everything up uh, for 2016 and look forward to 2017, maybe one more year in podcast before we turn the page uh, to 2017. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.